Here we go, Radio Row, Houston, day number two, Cofield and Company, Steve Cofield, uh, courtesy of Westwood One, down here in H-Town, Willie, Willie Ramirez is at our home base on Fridays at Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside the Treasure Island, Willie? What's happening? It's Friday, Friday, got it, I'll just give you a little... I know. Taste I know. Of we, our theme. we we altered we altered the uh, the Friday right. plans. We That's have to, right. we have, yeah. to, we have, we have right. to morph and adjust. We have to morph and adjust. Adam Hill was actually at that game last night as North Texas takes out UAB NIT final at the Orleans <laughs> Arena. And look who's sitting across from me, Adam Hill. It feels like it was a long time ago. <laughs> Are you going to make it through three hours today? I am on a second large coffee, so I feel like maybe yeah. Oh wow, that's a big one. Yeah. Did you go full Dan Campbell? It's something. Uh, yeah, I haven't gone to bed yet, so I'm. I need it, but I'm good. I think I'm ready to go. That's why, why you sleep. Adam's yeah, why didn't you sleep on the flight? Of the year. Uh, some things happened last night that kind of. Oh, they threw oh, you. Oh, yeah, sorry. These things happen. You know, the martyr, dramatic. It's usually real. The man who has the bad luck. I wouldn't necessarily go as far. I don't. I, I've never really seen martyrism in Adam. Maybe. Oh maybe, no. Maybe with you, but. No. Oh no. No oh, no. We uh, we are dueling martyrs at times. So. Fair. Adam's not a martyr. He just brings it upon himself. He he. The, Adam goes and helps. That's what a martyr and, is. He goes to yeah, but no, nah, but but. I don't hear you proclaim it like and put it out. Well, of course there. You just, not. You just show up to places that you don't like. You know, he'll go to seven different sporting events in one day. It doesn't have to be, but at three. You know, and then everyone else brings it up. He doesn't really complain about it. What Just are you the- doing this weekend, Adam? You got to hear this one. He because uh, I'm leaving town, Willie, after the show. Uh, I'm going to a, a very exotic location for a couple of days to Kansas City uh, for my fantasy drafts, my baseball fantasy drafts. And uh, Adam came down here, and I was like, oh, I figured he, you know, he's going to stay with someone. If someone's a San Diego State fan, or you've been talking about being around FAU fans, of course you've got a place to stay. I did. What happened? It fell through? Uh, oh every Airbnb keeps canceling. Oh, boy. And it's not just me. It's everyone. Because I, I guess there's like kind of... Is there a rush? I shouldn't have said what the company was. Let's say there's certain people that are uh, you know, running rental properties that are essentially apparently running some... Oh, no. I don't want to say the SCA word. But they're, they keep posting properties and then seeing if they get somebody to, to rent them right away. And then canceling them and raising the price, and then canceling them and then raising the price, and then canceling them and raising the price. So people get their money back? See how high they can go. Yeah, but. Oh, okay. So they're, they're getting just, a guarantee and then they right. post it again. Right. They're just seeing how high they can go. Like if somebody responds right away, they'll do it. Right. And so I've, I've had seven Airbnbs, ah, seven right. rental properties. See, I, I thought, uh, Willie, I thought this was going to be a really easy ticket and really easy accommodations. Yeah. I was reading Arash in the, the Sporting Tribune. Let me give you a place to pop. Um, and Arash said the average ticket for the Final Four, the get in was 57 bucks. The title game's 55 and for both is just $80. So I I assume the the crowd here because you know it's just smaller name schools it wouldn't be a, a big crowd here, Willie. I well, I don't know. I mean, I I I couldn't tell you. I'm not there. I know Adam pointed out something very good that I I didn't really didn't dawn on me when the when the graphic came out the other day with the comparison of the men's and women's final four ticket prices and that, you know, the the women I had to point it out to somebody after Adam pointed it out to me that was sharing it on Instagram in in that well, the reason why that they're so cheap is the men's final four is in a stadium, so you're further back. Yeah. You know, I was but, wondering if anyone was going to mention that. I don't. Where is the women's final four, and what arena? 
Did I just ask a question no one can answer? I think it's in Dallas. I think it's at the Mavs Arena, I thought. Okay, so, yeah. so you're talking about a 20,000-seat arena versus whatever. This is configured for 55 to 60. But yeah. there is intense interest in this women's Final Four because you've got potentially uh, you know, an, a, a player of an era in Caitlin Clark, and you've got a you know, dominant franchise in South Carolina, and then you've got the villain of all villains in the history of college basketball, my, uh, my friend Kim Mulkey. Yeah. Well, let's not leave Aaliyah <laughs> Boston. A in the background. I, I don't want to take. I don't want. I just don't want to push Aaliyah Boston off to the side. She is, she is an icon. She's going to be an icon in in the WNBA. But will yeah. she? Yes. Will she? Mm-hmm. In this era of what the Aces have done with FIFA basketball and run, 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 isn't she more of a true big? Yeah, but that doesn't mean that. I mean. She, you know, she can come in and dominate just the same way that we've seen Brianna Stewart dominate, or the same Brianna way. Brianna Stewart's not a. Tr- she's not a true big. Uh, she's pretty big. Brittany Griner. Well, I'm not talking height. I'm talking skill set and the ability to face the basket. Is, is Aaliyah Boston a true post player? Because that that's the question now in all of basketball. If you're a true post player, you have to go to the right team, and is it going to work? I think I might not be right on this. Not many Rebecca Lobos out there anymore. Well, no, that's uh, yeah, for sure. I, I don't know what Leslie's. Rebecca Lobo would do now. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Yeah. You know, we saw, you know, uh, Sylvia Fowles, a great player. I don't know at 6'6", if you're bringing her out to the perimeter and, you know, dragging her into deep waters and having to defend, I wonder what happened. Or, or if, you know, it's run, run, run. I'm not going to compare these bigs to Big Liz because she was, you know, she's the biggest, um, you know, at 6'8", and whatever she was, over 200 pounds. Um, I think the game changed enough where, you know, she was kind of being squeezed out of the game. Yeah, well, I think she did her own. <laughs> well, there's other stuff, too. She, yeah, she squeezed herself out of the game. Let's not, uh, you know, I mean. So is Lamar Jackson sort of squeezing himself out of the game, or is the league doing it with some sort of gentleman's agreement amongst the coaches? I thought this story was really interesting, and I have no idea what the offer was. But did you guys see the news that uh, the Ravens had some interest in signing Baker Mayfield? And I guess Mayfield didn't sign there because he, he wasn't going to be guaranteed the starting job. What do you make of that, Willie? Well, you just answered the question. If if he if he didn't sign because he wasn't guaranteed the starting job, and they were bringing him in, I mean, when I brought up Baker Mayfield to the Raiders, quite possibly a couple of months ago, because Josh McDaniels wanted him in New England, and everyone was like, "Up, oh, he's a career backup at this point." So obviously, the writing was on the wall that they were bringing him in as a as a backup because he that's why he didn't sign there. So I don't make anything of it. I don't think it's a sign toward Lamar Jackson. They probably just brought him in, and if things fell through and they couldn't get somebody else, well, at least they had someone with starting experience in place. But if he wasn't guaranteed the starting job, then it means what if really the, what nothing. What if their offer was seven and a half million dollars? He got eight and a half, I think. So if it's seven and a half million dollars, they were going to sign a seven and a half million dollar backup to a franchise quarterback who's earning thirty-two and a half. If, if, you see what I'm saying here? It depends. On I what do the see offers. what you're saying. If they could get him for three, if they could get him for three million, then that's one thing. If they were actually competitive with the Bucks, then maybe that would tell you a lot that they're ready to dig in. And if Lamar wants to screw around, they're ready to start Baker Mayfield. Well, if that's well, the case, then then he did then he didn't not sign because he was because he was going to be the backup. You could also say, I mean, you're kind of hinting at it a little bit, but it also could be a negotiating ploy of, if you sign, you sign. If you don't, we've got a ploy. The the way I'm taking it as Lamar Jackson, wait, you were were going to sign a replacement for me? Oh, now I have a lot of leverage. We have to have have a a backup plan if you don't come here. I love the way this thing's playing out. I I love the way it's playing out. Uh, Later on, we're going to get to, uh, I mean, just shocking news in the offseason. 
uh, shocking news. Travis Kelsey really dissing the Raiders organization. I mean, really getting after it. Willie, uh, you're at Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar, 55-plus TVs. got happy hour in the afternoon. Got the horse game right there that always <laughs> provides a lot of noise. What's cooking down there? Nice the crowd, though. I mean, get, get down here. Obviously, the free parking is, the, is for me, I love the free parking. It just reminds me of old Vegas and the vibe in here. You know, they take care of you. They got the kiosks up. There's a little bit of a buzz. I, I'm digging it. You know, people getting ready for the Final Four tomorrow, but they're down here. Baseball's upon us. They got We, we got... Uh, we got NBA on some, we have baseball on others, and we're getting ready for the women's Final Four. A couple TVs got hockey, so you couldn't ask for a better spot. Come on down. Kitchen is hopping. Drinks are flowing. Come on down and join us, ESPN. Our coverage in uh, H-Town is brought to you by Paul Padalaw. It's not about the injury. It's about the recovery. Wow, we had a really awkward moment just a couple minutes ago. We got a chance to sit down with Bobby Hurley. Adam is a longtime Michigan fan. He went to UNLV. It got icy real quick. Come hang with Cofield and Company at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside TI. Free parking, great food and drink specials, and giveaways. Every Friday from 3 to 6 p.m. at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside TI. So everyone around Vegas knows that uh, the subject of Bobby Hurley is a bit taboo. Uh, Bobby was in with us just a couple of minutes ago right before the show. We wanted to make sure we didn't have fireworks on the air, so the coach of Arizona State, and of course, lead guard on Duke, the team that took out the Rebels and a chance to win back-to-back titles. Sat down with uh, Adam and I, and we, we asked him, you're walking into a hornet's nest here. It's Vegas. You sure you want to come on with us? Well, I mean, can I say that, you know, Vegas is one of my favorite towns. Is that okay? <laughs> no, I mean, it's not going to work. <laughs> well, it's, it's uniquely not going to work on me. Here's my issue. I went to UNLV. I'm from Ann Arbor. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Double. <laughs> you ruined my entire childhood. <laughs> This is this is brutal. <laughs> wow, that is that's some double there. But <laughs> look, you just got to look at the bright side of it. Uh, try and remember back to 1990. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that, that yeah. was uh, that was some ass kicking in that game, uh, <laughs> and and certainly uh, you know that was a signature game. I think it was like a turning point game in my life and my career to get beaten that badly. Had me really look inside myself and say like, hey, how much this is, does this mean to you? And, and how hard are you going to be willing to work in the offseason to, to make a difference here? Because uh, going through a game like that, the humiliation of losing in a championship game, 20 million people watching and playing poorly, just really uh, kind of re-energized my commitment to the game. And uh, we were able to, you know, luckily, you know, turn the tables the next year. When you when you say that, how much, how much I mean, I know you believe in yourself, you're confident, but how much doubt is there taking the floor the next year like, I remember what happened last year. Like, there, was there any of that in your mind? I, I think I was a different person. It's hard to describe. And, and again, I was so locked in and focused. And, you know, we had been beating teams in the tournament that year by like 15, 20 points. We were playing with a lot of confidence. Like, people didn't give us a chance. But I internally, I think we believed. And, like, we think we, like, mentally were ready. It was going to be a war. That's how we were thinking about it. And, like, we added Grant Hill, who we had a lot of confidence <laughs> in. So yeah. that certainly helped. I, uh, I talked to Kenny Blakeney yesterday, and he said, actually, you guys felt a little dissed going in, a little disrespected. And maybe that runner rebel team going for a second straight title was overlooking you guys. Uh, possibly. I mean, uh, certainly what they were uh, deserved all the accolades they received and all, uh, you know, undefeated and the way they played that season and how you know unstoppable they looked. But 
I don't know, I just, I had flashbacks of seeing everyone fly by me and lay the ball in and dunk. And, you know, as a point guard, you're, you're the last line of defense, you're floor balance. And I just wasn't having that this year, you know, and yeah. uh, I thought I did as good a job. And I talked to my point guards about this, like managing a game, you know, just controlling the game at that position, not being, not letting UNLV run as much as they wanted to, making sure we get good shots and do all the things point guards have to do. You, uh, I want to, first of all, stop this. I'm starting to like you. I don't like this at all. Uh, <laughs> He's getting uncomfortable. you talked about the confidence you guys had rolling through that tournament, winning big games. The one issue, and tell me I'm crazy on this, the one issue I've seen with UConn this year, a team that you're probably watching very closely, yeah. is that they are crushing everyone. Like, they just, they haven't been tested in the tournament yet. And I'm like, what happens if it's a close game? Like, is that a real concern? Uh, not really, because I think the difference with that great UNLV team was that they were in a conference where they were not getting challenged. Yeah. You know, so I, I think the difference is UConn is playing in a tough Big East. They're playing hard road games. They're playing a lot of tight games. So I, I know they've been on a run the last two or three, but but certainly uh, I think they've been in enough close games to be able to navigate their way through that. We're here on Radio Row, Cofield and Company. The conversation is brought to you by Finley Subaru of Las Vegas, Rainbow on 215, and online at SubaruofLasVegas.com. So... I am a fellow Jersey guy. I'm a Jersey Shore guy, and uh, I go pretty far back, and that's why I feel comfortable. I hope you don't get mad by calling you Bobby and yeah. Danny because going back to, you know, I was actually looking up a video. I got to work on uh, the stat crew for the state, and I got to cover you guys, and I remember seeing a game at Brookdale Community College, which I lived like a mile away from, yeah. and to throw back to those teams and the amount of talent and the kind of defense you guys played, I think you beat St. Joe's Hamilton, which uh, Dave Calloway went on to coach Mama, so I'm doing yeah. a lot of Jersey yeah. stuff here, but... Just the, the throwback stuff in the era and the way your dad coached, I mean, the effect on you and your brother, I mean, from a coaching standpoint, it's nuts. Yeah, like I grew up with the game and grew up watching him, and uh, he, he had so many good teams, state champions. He barely lost any games ever. So, like, when he did lose, it was like Armageddon in our house. <laughs> like, he, you know, just really, you know, hated to lose, so competitive. I think that rubbed off on both of us, just that competitive drive. And, uh and he really was always learning as a coach, getting better. And uh, you know, I'm proud of those those moments, too. I mean, I never thought that I would even be able to be the point guard on my dad's team. I didn't think I'd be good enough. You know, he, all the guards he had prior to me even getting there. And uh, so to be on four straight state championship teams with him and then go to three straight NCAA championship games after that, it was like seven straight years of, uh, of a lot of success. So it was, uh, you know, great memories. And your brother's story... Uh, Dan at UConn is great because it, it has not been an easy run. First of all, we both have brothers. We both have little brothers. You know, sometimes people in the family are the higher achiever, you know, have the, the accolades. And, and your brother had to go through it at Seton Hall. And I, I had forgotten that. He had, he had to walk away for a little while. And, you know, that happens now. And we're still a little bit uncomfortable. But a lot of people will embrace you. I mean, 30 years ago, that's a tough move. It was. It, it really uh, it boiled over for him. And, and like he and I were best friends at that point. You know, we, we kind of like brothers are when you're real young, you're competing against each <laughs> other and stuff and you're fighting and all the things. But it, our, our, our relationship shifted. And so to see him go through that w w was so hurtful because like I was kind of kind of responsible for it. So, you know, I'm saying like, why, you know, why are people putting this pressure on him and, and expecting him to be me or exceed what I did? And so to have to like live that, that through with him was, was just awful, you know? And uh, so for him to have his moment now where no one's talking about Bobby Hurley, no one's talking about his dad and, and this is all him and he's doing it, man. It's, it's unbelievable. You want to bring up the point from the press conference? Oh, uh, well, 
I mean, I, I was th- I was going another. First of all, I was going to say uh, to redeem. You know, the one good thing from this <laughs> year, make you up. did crush Reno. We like that. Yeah, we like that. We like that. That was tough. Uh, that, that is. Yeah. That is. Stock went up slightly, but, a little no, bit, tiny bit. It, it was clear, you know, covering covering uh, UConn being in Vegas, and it was it was. I mean, what a what a run they had through Vegas, just stomping people. Uh, but there was a moment you know, your, your brother was asked about you know the influence that your dad has had, and he he really struggled to you know to just kind of process that. Like, what what does this whole this whole run mean for the family in general? I mean, it's just uh, for Dan. We we knew. I mean, I know how good. He is to the, the investment, how talented he is a coach, all the things he does, like from a scheme standpoint that I watch, that I see his teams play, like his passion is unmatched. Like his players will, will run through a wall for him because they know he, he's, he's got their best interests, he's got their back, and he loves the game. So it's like you could bring a group of people together like that, it's, it's pretty special. But from a family standpoint, you know, his whole journey is, is getting here, and, and it's so hard to get here. And, and like, I don't think people understand like how hard it is <laughs> and how uh, infrequent it would be for, for a Division One coach to bring his team to a Final Four. So it's just like all, all love for, for him that he's been able to get that done. We appreciate it. Thanks for being a good sport. You know we're discussing shops. <laughs> so uh, good luck with Arizona State, and I hope your brother does well in the Final Four. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. Arizona State's Bobby Hurley, former Duke star, of course, uh, in the annals of UNLV history for ever. And, uh, yeah, it was a good sport. He walked out about a half an hour later. He looked at us, and he gave us a finger. No, he, uh, he actually said, uh, good job, guys. See you. But, you're still, but you're, uh, you're still not over it, huh? You're still, you're still not over it. He may have just been doing that because he felt awkward walking by us, and he had to get by us to get to the door. Yeah. He didn't want to just walk by because he knew what had just happened. Well, you know, the weird thing, Willie, and yeah. I, I don't want to hear this. Like, I, you know, rivalries are fun. You don't have to hate people, and, you know, when you have – catastrophic losses it does suck as a fan when hurley got up and was off the air and i guess i you know maybe, maybe i shouldn't go on the air with this but um he did say he kind of looked at us he's like hey you know there are times i i'm because we love vegas he's like i go there and i'm kind of like you know is someone going to come up to me and say something I'm like let's let's not do that sports is fun sometimes you lose big games right willie let's dial it down calm down we're all adults now willie unfortunately Unfortunately, in this town, I I would I, I I get where he's coming from because there are I mean there are some of us out there that like Adam said you know like we were glad when Arizona State beat Reno but at the same time when it's Bobby Hurley you still have those thoughts but to be hateful and to come up to him I, I kind of get it. Because, you know, there are still those old school diehard Rebels that are yeah. never going to, you know, that are never going to let it die. And who knows? I mean, you know, he's out enjoying time, maybe here with his family. He happens to be at a hotel and someone's drinking too much and remembers and walks up on him. And who knows what? Because you know what? It's, but it's not just Vegas. Let's not just put it on Las Vegas. But we're talking about UNLV versus Duke and Bobby Hurley. That could happen anywhere with any sports fans. It could, but as, as I told him when he was walking out, um, you know, I saw it with, with Danny when he was out there coaching in Vegas last week, and you just hear, you know, locals from the crowd screaming obscenities about Hurley's. Like, all right. Yeah. It was a long, it was a, like, I get it. I yeah. feel it, too. I still feel it. Well, but it was a long time ago. Yeah. The, the problem, and, you know, freely admit it as a, you know, UNLV alum, like, there hasn't been a whole lot of success, so that's kind of what we're still it's, it's, to. it's building more and more. And I, I really, I really felt it at the Sweet Sixteen, especially up on social media. And I'm sure folks are thinking it now with San Diego State. 
in the Final Four. Now, it, it builds. The frustration builds. But, you know, let's be adults about this thing. Uh, if you're on the east side of town, even if you're not, drive over there. Uh, Damon from Raider Nation Radio 920 is uh, manning a uh, big-time remote with the Vipers. It goes up until 5 o'clock. Finley Toyota, 7733 Eastgate Road. they got a meet-and-greet with some of the players, Matt Sexton and Max Roberts from the Vipers. Damon has all sorts of Raider Nation Radio 920 year to give away, and tickets will go out for the game on uh, April 1st, which is coming up tomorrow. Join Damon, Finley Toyota, Friday, that's today. 3 to 5. He's there up until 5 o'clock at Trader Nation Radio 920 in DeMond on the road at Finley Toyota. Miss any of the show? We've got you covered. Head to LVSportsNetwork.com and go to podcast to listen to all of your favorite LV Sports Network shows anytime from any place. That was the voice of Kevin Kruger on the way back talking about some of the tweaks that may be coming, some of the normalcy we could return to around college basketball. We're going to talk to Bob Ritchie. It's a really good story. Uh, Coach uh, Furman here in just a couple minutes. We caught up with him a little while ago. This part of the show is brought to you by NetSuite to gain visibility and control over your business. Take advantage of a, a great special financing officer uh, offer of no payments or interest for six months. From NetSuite by Oracle. Head to NetSuite.com slash hoops to learn more. So Bob Ritchie, upset darling with Furman. Uh, big shot, three-pointer, uh, less than three seconds left to take out Virginia. But speaking of the portal, we started off the conversation Bob Ritchie and uh, Coach Joe was here earlier, Joe Esposito, and asked him, hey, after that crazy run, now you're right back to recruiting and essentially having to re-recruit your entire team. I did 15 player meetings Monday and Tuesday after returning to campus. And, um, you know, it's just where we are right now. You know, you got you to find out exactly, you know, the, the, you always have to know the temperament of your team. Uh, but with, with the transitory elements that are coming in our business right now, you just want to figure it out sooner rather than later. And um, fortunately, we've got we've got basically everybody coming back. We have one that's going to – there was a third-string point guard that's going to find a situation where we can play a little bit more. But all of our key guys are coming back. You know, it was one of the exciting things about this team. We had two really, really good fifth years. Jalen Slauson's playing in the Reese's All-Star game today and Mike Bothwell. But five of the nine that played were actually underclassmen. And so we've been able to build a base with some youth that's, that's a little bit atypical in the game right now. And, um, you know – Look, to answer your question, the high is always going to be there when you think about it. It's, it's really incredible what our group did. I mean, it was 31 years for the first time to be the one seed in the tournament with a regular season win. It was the first time in 40 years to go to the tournament at all at Furman. It was the first time in 46 years that we won an NCAA tournament game. We've only, only won two in the history of the program. And so to see that team go back a year ago, lost at the buzzer in the conference championship game, to see two, two fifth years that could have gone anywhere in the country – to come back and be a part of it and then take it to a place that it's never been before, uh, to be the leader of that, it was, it, was, it was incredibly rewarding, but it also taught me a lot, and uh, we, were just, we just had an incredible group of people. Coach, you know that uh, obviously the run was incredible. The Virginia game, one in particular, you know, being a, being a college coach for a long time. Run, run me through that last play. I mean, were you guys trying to foul after they got cross half court? Were you trying to trap? You had to trap on. Run us through that play and what was going through your mind. So let me take you back to 19 seconds, and, and it's a pretty good story. So we're down four. They're at the free throw line, and up, down five, I'm a big believer you got to go for three there. And, um, you know, we have a play that we typically run. Well, one of the two three-point plays that we have actually took from Tony Bennett, and we call it Cavalier. And so I was going to go for three, and I called Cavalier, and one of their assistants stood up and called the action out. And so I quickly switched to a two-point play. And we go to a quick two, and we get fouled, 
and we send a 50% free throw shooter to the line in Garrett Heen, and he makes both. Well, we're out of timeouts, mm -hmm. and so I'm instructing. I'm trying to keep everybody calm at the free throw line just because I know he's got to make both, mm -hmm. but at the same time, we got to figure out what we're doing. So we go into face guard with a center fielder to try to see if we can get a five-second count, and then I told him, I said, we're going to go one quick trap. Once they get it out, we have to foul. And if it, and listen to me, if, if, if I feel like we need to foul before that, then I'm going to start yelling foul. So I'm at the corner of the sideline and the baseline so that our guys can hear me. And I see that we get Clark in a trap, but it's taking a little while. And I'm thinking they're going to – I thought they would call timeout. And I'm like, well, if he sits in this trap for a while, we're going to have to foul because now we're about six seconds. And as soon as I'm about to start yelling foul, I see him jump in the air. And my first thought was they must have somebody back there. Garrett must have pushed up, and he must see somebody wide open back there. And then I looked back, and I saw Garrett. I saw the ball going right to him. And uh, he had Slauson on his left, and he had JP on his right. JP had a very similar play in high school in a huge playoff game where he hit a buzzer beater. Wow. And uh, he threw it to JP, and I could see the trajectory of the ball. And, um, man, in, in 19 seconds, we go down four to up one. Incredible. You're, you're just like, man, how about that? That was incredible. What a, what a great game. And nationally, I mean, the, you guys were the, the, talk of the talk of the world. It was, uh, it was awesome. But then you played San Diego State, who uh, obviously is still alive. And, uh, you know, they, they've done a great job. But I know you scouted them. I know you looked at them. What makes them so good? Well, the first thing is, you know, I got asked after that game, you know, quote, unquote, about the mid-major deal and stuff like that, like, that part, I think, is, is complete laughable, you know, to even consider them a mid-major, you know, if you look at operating budget and how they schedule and what they play and what they've done. I mean, they've just they've done an incredible job there. And, um, you know, I said it after the game that they can go as far as they want. And mm -hmm. the reason is, is if you look at their defense from February 1st to now, they're the number one defensive efficiency team in the country. And so the defense has been consistent. I think what you see separating them analytically going into the game was how well do they shoot it. Games they win, they, they shoot the three pretty well. Games they don't, they well, all of a sudden, they've, they've gotten some confidence. And Trammell's playing at a high, high, high level. Wow. And so now the ball's going in. They're scoring it. But they're, they've got four COVID fifth-year guys, right? They're incredibly old. They're, when people say big, like, the word you got to use is they're girthy. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, they're like, they're, they're like thick. You know what yeah, I mean? I've covered Matt Bradley for a long time at Cal and San Diego State. I mean, he gets a little bigger every year. And, like, he's listed at, like, 225. He, he is, like, an outside linebacker in the NFL. He's, like, 240 pounds. Th those guys are huge. Yeah. And it's funny. You're like this. I'm sitting in my hotel room, and or I'm watching FDU knock off Purdue, and they're daring these Purdue guys to shoot. And then there was another game earlier in the day. I'm drawing a blank of another team, I felt like, you know what? They're daring these guys to shoot. So the whole thing when you get in those games is, hey, like, you gotta go be you, right? Mm -hmm. Well, we're a little bit more aggressive on like handoff coverages and chase, and you know, we try to keep the ball high on the floor and different things like that. And I text our staff that night, I'm like, guys, we probably should just go under all this because the ducking was gonna give us problems. Like physically, they were gonna, they were gonna beat us up a little bit. What, why don't we just pack it in and just, you know, take away the duck in, and if they hit shots, they're going to beat us. If they don't, we have a chance. And, you know, the staff was probably right. They're like, hey, we we gotten this far. We got to do what we do. And so we did what we did, and it didn't work. But, you know, <laughs> it, it's it's one of those deals where I'm sitting there, I'm like, man, if they're hitting shots too, they can beat anybody. Mm -hmm. And and I'm a firm believer they can win this whole thing. I mean, I, I, I think with the way they defend, rebound, how old they are, how mature yeah. they are, um, I could see them winning the whole tournament. Bob Ritchie, coach of Furman, is with us. So the other unique thing about them is a the continuity over the years. So Steve Fisher coaches from 99 
you know, you know Dutcher's on the staff for like 18 years. He waits. He's patient. Uh, he takes over. They're good. They're getting better. And then the Minnesota job opens, right? And his dad coached at Minnesota. You coached at Minnesota. Sure did, th- th- yeah. This is his job. And he's probably looking at a double in pay, right? But Brian Dutcher stayed around because he's built it. He likes it. So in your case, right, it's one thing for the kids to stay around. I mean, you're a hot commodity. You got, what are you, 139 and 55 as a head coach. I'm sure people are talking to you. Why is Furman the right place right now? Well, for, for one, we love Greenville. And uh, we've got a 13-year-old, a 10-year-old, and a 1-year-old. My wife's from Greenville. It's, an unbel- it's one of the fastest-growing cities in the country. And to be honest with you, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit different. I, I think that I, I'm, I'm as competitive as it gets. I want to win as many games as we possibly can. I also want to be patient. I want to coach in the Final Four one day. I do. But I think that it's one of those deals where we've got some momentum that's unique at our level right now, and we've done this in a very unique way, and we've done it through development. We haven't done it through the portal. We're one of the few teams in the tournament that all five starters only wore a Furman jersey. And we've got a top 50 liberal arts degree in the country. We've got one of the top 10 campuses in the country, and, and we're about to put $40 million into the arena. The president, the AD, the board have, have decided to continue to commit. And, you know, it's, this is a resource chase, and it's all relative, right? And that's where coaches miss it sometimes. They worry, my dad was a doctor, my father-in-law was a successful businessman. I'm never going to make a decision on money. I'm going to base a decision on the resources to go win at the highest level with the right people and doing it the right way. And um, look, coaches are getting fired at a twice as high rate as we've ever been fired before. And when you look at it, you, you just have to make sure, like, hey, yes, does this, does this match, right? Does it match me? And, um, you know, so I say all that to say this. Am I going to be here forever? I don't know what the Lord has involved for my life and, you know, what the plan is there. But we have a great situation at Furman that I do not want to take for granted, and uh, you don't want to mess with happy. That's awesome. Hi, right, Coach. Congrats on a great season and good luck in the future, and hopefully we uh, get to see you down here maybe actually playing in the Final Four, like you said, someday playing in the Final Four. One day, dream big. All right, rolling on. Bob Ritchie with us. We got a couple hours ago. Boy, I, like, I love the answer at the end about, you know, what the right place is for him. And he mentioned family. And he mentioned ties to Greenville. And Ari did a good, really good job kind of tying it all together by, you know, bringing Kevin Kruger in there. And I know a lot of people, a lot of fans are frustrated with where the program is right now. But the, the other fear is it's amazing. If you're winning at a high level at UNLV, then people are freaked out because they think the coach is going to leave if – you're not achieving at the highest level, then people want to blow you out. It's like, okay, everyone settle down. Everyone settle down. I thought uh, Bob Ritchie made a really good case there for being patient. So, Willie, we got some breaking news a little while ago. This is interesting. You know, I was just uh, talking to you about Aaliyah Boston and how she's going to – she's the big for South Carolina, how she's going to translate as a true big. She better be able to face the basket and also defend far away from the hoop. Michigan star Hunter Dickinson just went into the transfer portal. What do you think he is, Adam? Seven one two forty. It might not be a full 7-1. Okay, so 6'11", 240, but he's a big. He can face the basket and shoot out the three. Can he defend out there? Probably not. He's he's a behemoth. Willie, what do you think happens here? I swear, I'm watching games, and I'm like, ooh, I don't, seven-footer. I don't know. If he can't defend on the perimeter. But I still think these guys are effective and can be dangerous. He's going to get offered, like big offers. I will tell you that one of the first offers I saw, Adam, was Bryant reached out. Bryant University. Why not? Well, yeah, I, was I mean, just you, can, say. You, you can shoot your shot, but I mean, that's that's absurd. It's not absurd because he's going to go down to Bryant. No, but 
you got you have to you have to be aggressive and at least show that you're going for that. If let's just say, I mean, if other if there are if you know you're not getting that recruit, but you're going for it, who knows what other recruits that maybe they have to settle on Bryant. They it shows that they were quote unquote air quotes in the running. Come hang with Cofield and Company at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside TI. Free parking, great food and drink specials, and giveaways. Every Friday from 3 to 6 p.m. at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside TI. Final four in Houston, as you heard, thanks to Paul Pata and also uh, Finley Subaru, Subaru of Las Vegas. While we're talking mostly college basketball today, as uh, Willie's hanging out over at Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island, Raiders are never far from the topic list. And uh, we were fortunate enough earlier in the day to uh, catch up with Jason Horowitz. He's the voice of the Raiders. He's also one of the voices of March Madness for Westwood One, a host on Sirius XM. And we got into some of the offseason moves. And I brought up Darren Waller, and uh, we started off the convo. You know, I was talking about Walter's kind of, he's a different kind of cat. He's not the same as a, a lot of football players. I got to know Darren a little bit this year, and then uh, he worked the Pro Bowl with us for Westwood One, actually. And so we got to hang out a little bit that, that weekend and, and talked a little bit, and I really enjoyed some, the time that I got a chance to spend with him. And um, I knew about the wedding because, uh, well, he had told me. <laughs> but, 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 like, but, but it definitely, it, uh you know, I, I don't, you know, timing wise, it, you know, I'm sure that's not great from a perspective of a personal relationship about, hey, I just got married last week. Hey, now you traded me to New York, whatever. Yeah. Like that, the NFL and sports can be a, a tough business. And I think people recognize that. Um, Darren's a really good player. And, and Darren has the record for most catches in Raiders history in a single season. And Darren can absolutely be a game changer. And I wouldn't be shocked if Darren goes to New York and if he's healthy, has a right. Pro Bowl season. Um, people were wondering, could they have gotten more than a third round pick? I don't, I don't know. You know, I'm not involved in any of those conversations at all. Um, but again, it comes back to what turns out with that. The Raiders turned around and and brought in two different tight ends. OJ Howard was a first round tight end. Austin Hooper is a two time pro bowl tight end. You put those together and and let's see what happens. They'll be fine. They'll be fine. And the third round pick, I don't know if they're going to use it on another tight end, but no, they, I, yeah, they may. Right. It's a good tight end draft, so that's a good angle. Um, you're a very handsome man. But, <laughs> but, 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 Jason Horowitz, none of us are Jimmy G. Well, it's are you going to be awestruck talking to this? I'll call him a kid. Well, my God, the, the women I've been around in Las Vegas, wow. So they're impressed. When Jimmy G got signed, uh, I, let's see, what day, when did free, I was in Los Angeles, right? So, so I live in New Jersey. And the, our coverage for Westwood One for the tournament, our studios are in Los Angeles. And so I do championship weekend, selection Sunday, and then the entire first week of the tournament from our studios in L.A. And when they signed Jimmy G, I, I sent my wife a text message, and she's like, <laughs> you look like him. I was like, yes, yes. Because uh, Evan Cohen, who works at SiriusXM and hosts a wonderful morning show on SiriusXM, uh, sent out a tweet that, like, there's not going to be a better tag team of smiles in the NFL than Jason Horowitz and Jimmy Garoppolo. And so then I sent that to her. She's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys look alike. And I was like, wow, I've really won. (laughs) Uh, No, I don't think I'll be intimidated by his jawline. But uh, but I am excited to meet him. And and, uh, I've listened to the the stuff he's done with Raider Nation Radio and, and the podcast with Eddie Paschal. And... And, um, you know, by all accounts, people really like him. And, and so hopefully that translates on the field, too. Yeah, I think he's a no-nonsense guy. And, you know, the beginning of the conversation here was about Raider Nation and how kind of topsy-turvy it can be if you pay attention to social media. 
I don't think he's going to do that. So that yeah. well, that's, that's the that's, tru- that's the truth for everything, though. Well, but it's a, it's a, <laughs> yeah, it's a matter of uh, you know, are you going to punch down all the time or just ignore it? You have yeah. to you really have to ignore it these days, and especially Raider Nation is really passionate. So you mentioned uh, you're uh, you live in North Jersey, right? Uh, well, Central, okay. yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Did, oh, there's a Central Jersey. No, I don't think there no, there is. is. Well, but I'm there from I'm, so I'm from Michigan, yes. so I've only lived in New Jersey for four years. Trust so me. I'm not positive. I am there from is a Central Jersey, Jersey yeah. and I never said I was from North or South. And I get in this <laughs> argument all the time. And there's a whole pork roll thing in Taylorham. Um, did you actually know where FDU was? Yes. Okay. Yes, I, you, you, I heard you and Gottlieb, and you were like out of your mind. Uh, yeah. You know that that night, it was a really good cover. By the way, you guys as a team. That's really good stuff. I mean, you're talking about like hyper aggressive, yeah. like yeah. really good coverage and and true excitement because I think sometimes people we get desensitized as we get older and you know oh um, you know Purdue wasn't that good. It's still it's a 16 over a one and they mm-hmm. found a way to defend a guy who was the player of the year yeah. and make the rest of the team fall apart. So the reality though, if we go back and really talk about how did Purdue lose, Purdue missed a lot of open shots, right? And and in all fairness, everybody in this tournament has missed a lot of open shots. It's been talked about the ball is it slippery? Is it too pumped up? Whatever. I don't have no idea. Everyone's playing with the same thing, mm-hmm. so who knows? Um, but it's a wonderful story. Yep. And, and I still think the 16 over the one part of all this is shocking. And, 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 but now if you think about where we are with the tournament, we have three straight years of a 15 seed to the Sweet 16. Oral Roberts in, in the bubble. Um, St. Peter's last year all the way to the Elite Eight. You know, I don't know that Princeton feels the same as St. Peter's because it's an Ivy League school and Pete Carrill, and so there's like a, a little I've bit different it. there. Um, but once a 15 seed beats a two, beating a seven shouldn't surprise anybody anymore. You know, because now they, I think those teams expect it because they see it and you're getting really good teams who are the 15 seeds. Now, FDU is a different story. Um, I have been there. Uh, I did not know this part of it, but apparently in New Jersey back in the day, that used to be called Fairly Ridiculous University because it was known as a party school. I, yeah. I would not have guessed that based on <laughs> knowing Teaneck, New Jersey. Um, but I think it's wonderful. Yeah. I, you know, and, it's, and that's, the, again, that, that this tournament, for as much as people want to take big stuff, you know, everyone's careers are made out of the tournament and the Final Four and championships and all those things, this tournament can help a university become a known commodity. And I think that's great. You know, for all the things that people talk about, I think that's wonderful. Yeah, we talked to Jalen Slauson yesterday from Furman, and yep. he's a really mature kid at 23, and he went right into the benefits of the university. I was no like, wow, question. God, I'm really impressed. This isn't a me thing or just about the basketball team. It's about the And university. they stayed. Remember, like yep. in this day and age, when a team is really good, well, you have a chance to go somewhere else and, and be a, you know, whatever you're going to be on, on someone else's big roster. And Furman's guys all stayed. And whether it was NIL or they just liked each other, whatever. I don't care what the I reason mean, is. You know what uh, Slauson mentioned? It was a loss last year. You know, mm-hmm. Right before the tournament, they lost out on the auto bid, and they wanted to get it done. Well, so talking to FAU's players yesterday uh, on Thursday, and, and, and they all know that they've got a chance to be special again next year, but with the caveat, if they stay together. Because yeah. most of those guys have another year or two left. They're going to have money. Because they just got Dusty May back yesterday. They're going to have, I know they have like a $15 million infusion into the program. Yeah. So they're going to have the money. Sure. I mean, it's Boca Raton. They're going to get backers. They're going to get some money. It's not, it might not be, you know, two or three or $400,000 like other schools. Sure. But something. But there's also still the allure of like, okay, money's part of this, but I think sometimes people forget. And like, I cover the college football a ton, right? And, And people forget when you grow up as a kid, you grow up dreaming about playing for college football, Michigan, Ohio State, USC, Texas. Not Bowling Green, Akron, or 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 you know fill in the bl- or UTEP, right? No, but that's generally where people grow up thinking about. Hey, we're, this is where I'm going to play football. And so I think basketball is the same thing. So if you are at FAU, even if you just went to the Final Four, 
and throw money into this too. And someone from Kentucky or Indiana is like, hey, listen, I'd love for you to, that means you're playing in front of sold out crowds every night. And hopefully you get back to the final four because there's no guarantee FAU is going to be back here next year anyway. Last one. we got about a a minute left. Uh, Jason Horowitz is with us, one of the voices of Westwood One. The final four, who's going to be able to knock off UConn? Well, I think Miami could knock off UConn. Now, that being said, I think UConn's going to win the whole thing. But but I think Miami has been under, since we're talking in Vegas, undervalued (laughs) uh, in in the conversation of, just how good they are. 30 to 1 to win the title about uh, five days before the tournament. Mm-hmm. Those you are got, long odds. You've got ACC, you know, best, best team in the ACC by record. This is, a, this is a team that blew out Houston. This is a team that beat a, a team that I actually thought was going to win the title, which was Texas. And they beat them, and then second half comeback, and their offense is just unbelievable right now. So, yeah, they're going to have to make shots, which in the Final Four sometimes doesn't come to fruition. But I think they're really good. I think we're going to get San Diego State UConn. And I think UConn wins the whole thing, but we'll see. Jason Horowitz, voice of the Raiders, broadcaster for Westwood One, and according to him, a Jimmy G lookalike. I I was watching your faces when that came out, and Willie just threw his hands up. Yeah. I mean, on, on this show, we protect Jimmy G. We do? You compare yourself. I do. You compare yourself to the looker that Jimmy G is. Look out. We're hard graders on that front. Jimmy G, Willie G, same thing. Yeah, same thing. <laughs> what did Austin Hooper tell a, a podcast about Jimmy G and that? Uh, didn't he get offered, like, sex for life at a brothel? Jimmy G did, yes, and Austin Hooper said that's not going to be necessary. He said uh, the only time he's ever actually seen women fight in a bar, physically fight, was over Jimmy G in Nashville. He said he witnessed it. He said there was extensions and nails everywhere. It got ugly. And then wow. Jimmy just and then Jimmy just got up, left, got in a, got in a cab, and said, "Seen this before? Yep, I've seen this before. <laughs> yeah. I'm used to this." Yeah. He starts a fight. He's the instigator. You guys always accuse me yeah. of being the instigator. He's the instigator. Amazing. He's the hotstigator, I guess. He's He's just, he just sits there and bees, he just is Jimmy G, and that's what happens. Uh, on the way back, we're going to break down the Final Four with uh, P.J. Carlissimo, who certainly knows the uh, UConn site and was just announcing for Westwood in Vegas at the Speed 16.